And we're live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not Another Military History Podcast. My name is, is Jacob, running solo today. So we're going to go ahead and pick up on our series of the history of war elephants. So this will be episode four for anybody who hasn't listened to episodes one through three. Would go ahead and recommend you check those out. So we went ahead and left off last time on the very end of the First Punic War. You know, Carthage versus Rome. So Rome went ahead and won that war and forced some reparations on Carthage. And then we introduced Hannibal Barca to the mix as well so and Hannibal is I'm like a huge Hannibal nerd so by the way so uh, I love his tactics and his battles just really really fascinating me you know some people are Napoleon nerds some people are like you know like another great nerds I'm a big Hannibal you know nerd big Hannibal buff so if you hear me kind of like you know gush about him and everything just you know just just be prepared for that so uh, so now we're going to go ahead and start talking about the Second Punic War and how it was influenced by war elephants. So, Hannibal Barca grew up under his father Hamilcar and campaigned with him in his uh, campaigns in Spain, helping to pacify the Iberian tribes and what was then Hispania. So, uh, during these wars, he gained a great deal of experience and showed strong tactical abilities on the battlefield. So, Hannibal studied the tactics of Pyrrhus, and in doing so, he trained his horses and elephants in proximity to each other, so the horses would not be frightened uh, of the elephants. So, in theory, this would make his cover wings nearly invincible as the enemy would flee before the elephants and the horses would fall upon the rear of the Roman infantry, you know, mopping them up. So, and we talked a, little, a bit about how on his father's deathbed on Hamilcar's deathbed Hannibal went ahead and swore a vow to always be an enemy of Rome so Hannibal is thinking very carefully and very deeply about just how he wants to attack the Romans <clears throat> so uh, Hannibal was extremely popular among the armies. so when Hasbro died he was unanimously promoted as commander of the armies of Carthage so uh, over the course or during the course of these uh, wars in Iberia uh, Hannibal would end up laying siege to the city of Saguntum, which was a Roman allied city. So this uh, resulted in the Romans declaring war on Carthage once more, starting the Second Punic War. So Hannibal's strategy in this war was to sever Rome from her allied city-states and tribes that supplied uh, Rome with men for its army. So he had very good reason to believe the Gallic tribes of the Po River Valley would ally themselves with him because they'd been fighting against the Romans for generations. And moreover, he also believed that the city-states of southern Italy would also defect since that's exactly what they did when Pyrrhus had invaded 60 years earlier. Now, once the city of Rome was isolated, he would besiege it and destroy it forever. So this is something that really makes Rome stand out in kind of the annals of history at this time. So before Rome, what would usually happen, you know, when two, like, you know, when two states went to war, there would usually just be, you know, one decisive battle. And then, you know, this two sides would essentially just go home and peace would be declared because states back then didn't have the resources and the men to fight long protracted wars. You know, they, they, they just didn't have the abilities, like the logistical capacity to support large armies but really made rome different as they had the system of alliances so that you know they'd say you know okay you know we're, you go ahead and you, you join with us basically if you're like an allied city and then our army is going to protect you and you're going to have your know, full rights as roman citizens uh you're going to have trade rights with us so there were a lot of benefits to being uh, an ally of rome which is why the system lasted for so long so but what this really gave Rome the advantage of being able to weather defeats over and over again. I mean, what we're going to see ahead in the second war, that Rome is really going to get their ass handed to them and by Hannibal in several engagements. But each time, because of that system of alliance, they're able to 
raise up armies from the dead and able to gather more men, which is just not something that other states were able to do at this time or you know prior to this. So Hannibal recognized this, and so he said, okay, you need to cut off Rome from its system of support with these allied city-states. If you can do that, then you can make Rome isolated and weak and ripe for the taking. So it was Hannibal's strategy going into this war. So in order to uh, go ahead and make do with this strategy, Hannibal took 90,000 mercenary infantry, 12,000 cavalry, and 37 war elephants with him on a brutal 1,500-mile march from Spain across the Alps into northern Italy and 218 BCE. So, uh, making long-distance marches to elephants is very hard, considering that each one needs about 300 to 400 pounds of food each day, along with fresh water. But still, over the course of March, Hannibal's elephants averaged 19 miles per day, and he didn't lose a single one, which when we talk about the conditions of his march across the Alps, it's really pretty amazing that he didn't lose a single elephant. So, uh, when Hannibal came to the Rhone River uh, in August, was modern-day France, he encountered a problem. So his elephants were not raised alongside rivers and lakes like they would naturally since they were captured as calves. Uh, so the Rhone River uh, river along, uh, along with this was also very deep. It was about 300 feet wide. And so the elephants were simply not in the mood to try and swim it. You know, they had not been raised alongside water. So they, you know, normally elephants are great swimmers. But these ones had not been raised alongside water. So they're like, I don't want any part of this. I don't, do not want to try and swim across. So, meanwhile, Scipio the Elder, a Roman general, had landed the city of Massalia just four days south of Hannibal. Now, any delay, even a small battle, could keep uh, Hannibal from crossing his army across the Alps before the snows. So, moreover as well, uh, to make things worse for Hannibal, a Gallic tribe had also amassed on the other side of the river and refused Hannibal's bribes to try and cross the river as well. So, he's in a very time-sensitive situation here. He has to get across the river so that he can cross the Alps before he gets snowed in. So, Hannibal then sent a group of cavalry to circle behind the Gauls for a flank attack while, the construction, uh, while he, at the same time, was constructing rafts to get his elephants across. So initially, the elephants refused to get on the rafts. So what Hannibal had to do, actually, was he tried to cover them, to basically trick the elephants by, like, covering the rafts with, like, dirt and plants to try to make the elephants just think it was just regular solid ground. So uh, now the surprise attack for, uh, against the Gallic tribes worked. Uh, the Gallic tribes were so shocked by the appearance of the meeting cavalry that they went ahead and ran away. So uh, the elephant wraps, though, did not work exactly so well. So I'm going to go ahead and read a quote as to kind of what happened here. So, so this is from Polybius, who interviewed eyewitnesses, uh, writing about what happened when Hannibal tried to get the elephants to cross on the rafts. So, quote, As soon as they were standing on the last rafts, the ropes holding these were cut, the boats took up the strain of the tow ropes, and the rafts of the elephants standing on them were rapidly pulled away from the causeway. At this, the animals panicked and at first turned around to begin to move about in all directions, but as they were by then surrounded on all sides of the stream, their fear eventually compelled them to stay quiet. But soon some became so terror-stricken that they leapt into the river when they were halfway across. The drivers of these were all drowned, but the elephants were saved because, through the power and length of their trunks, they were able to keep these above the surface and breathe through them. And this way, most of them survived and crossed the river on their feet. End quote. 
So now there's some debate uh, about this version of the events. Some have speculated based on a count by Livy uh, that the real reason elephants ended up crossing was because there was a mahout that ended up beating elephant into a fury, and which caused the elephants to basically like stampede across the river. And, and then so they basically were able to swim across that way. So it's more than likely a mixture of the two. There was probably a single Mahal who was probably trying to like beat one of his elephants to get him across the river. And that may have happened with one or two elephants, but it probably didn't happen with all of them. So uh, whatever version of the events, though, all of Hannibal's elephants survived the crossing, except for many Mahouts were unfortunately drowned. So now this is a severe blow to Hannibal as experienced Mahouts were very difficult to find, and their loss would impact the cohesion of the elephant corps in his army. So uh, Hannibal started crossing the Alps on October 14th. Now, there would be a problem keeping elephants hydrated in the cold Alps. Uh, elephants don't really like cold water. And so what they do is they basically will take a few gallons of it in their trunks and then like warm it up inside their trunks before they swallow it. So this does end up taking up uh, precious body heat, though, which, of course, the elephants were going to need in the frigid Alps. So elephants are actually also very good at climbing mountain passes. Uh, there was a researcher named John Hoyt who took an elephant through the Alps in the 1950s and observed that it climbed well at a pace of around two and a half miles per hour on a grade of one and six, and ended up walking more cautiously at a one and five slope as well. So uh, Hoyt also reported the elephants did very well crossing all sorts of different terrain. So... Uh, why you took an elephant to the Alps? I'm guessing it was probably just some sort of a research exercise to try and see if it could really be done. But he did come to the conclusion that, uh, yeah, it absolutely could be done. So, uh, although he did also report, though, that elephants' feet could also be hurt on the jagged rocks of the Alps, though. So, now, so as Hannibal marched the Alps, mountain tribes started ambushing his army, which uh, started attacking his soldiers along the route. And they would also like roll, they would roll boulders, like they would get to the top of ridges and then roll boulders on top of his army. And then so he'd lose a lot of soldiers in this manner. Now, at one point, there was a massive boulder that blocked his path as well uh, by one of the tribesmen, you know, was put there by them. And then Hannibal's army had to stay outside, exposed in the path for several frigid days. So what he had to do basically was he had, he had to have men take turns like lighting fires under the rock to try to get it to like, you know, like soften up. And then they would take like, you know, hammers and chisels to it. And then eventually after doing this a few days, they ended up breaking it up and were able to uh, go down the pass. So uh, finally, their 15 day march ended when they entered Northern Italy. So over the course of his march to the Alps, Hannibal lost two thirds of his infantry, uh, one third of his cavalry as well. Uh, now he had only 20,000 infantry and 6,000 cavalry. Uh, although yes, miraculously no elephants were killed during the march to the Alps. So uh, the Romans were shocked when they saw Hannibal's arrival in Italy and uh, immediately went to a panic and started rushing to the defense. So unbeknownst to the Romans, though, Hannibal was in the business of killing Romans and business was about to be very good. So now this brings us to the Battle of the River Trebia. So Hannibal forged an alliance with the tribes of the Po River Valley as he entered northern Italy and started recruiting uh, them as mercenaries into his army. So Hannibal needed to fight a battle really fast to get head south to warmer climates. That was his first goal. So uh, the Romans uh, also built an anti-elephant camp known as a Castra Sativa with a 12-foot wide ditch so Hannibal would have to entice them to come out of their camp. So what Hannibal did was uh, very early in the morning, 
Uh, he sent his uh, lightning-fast Numidian cavalry to attack the Roman camp, uh, hurling javelins over the camp's palisades and waking up the guards, basically just as a harassing measure. So this infuriated Consul Sempronius, who was one of the generals of the army, who ordered his legions to pursue. Now, while Hannibal's infantry was having breakfast, Sempronius marched his infantry six miles through snowfall and across a freezing river to the battlefield of Hannibal's choosing. So this is a really masterful move by Hannibal because his guys are basically... You know, just chilling, having breakfast, and warming themselves up at their fires while he's making the Romans, you know, just tired and cold and wet and just already just putting them on a bad footing against his soldiers. Now, there's some debate over whether the elephants were stationed in Hannibal's army. They're most likely put on the wings between the cavalry and the infantry uh, because Hannibal didn't want to use them as a shock weapon since they were just so worn out from their uh, march to the Alps at this point. So these elephants also possessed howdahs and essentially were used as mobile missile platforms during this battle. So Hannibal had about 38,000 infantry and 10,000 cavalry against the Romans' 40,000 infantry and 2,000 cavalry. And uh, so the Romans placed the legionnaires at the center and the cavalry on the wings. Uh, They also had lightly armed javelin troops known as velites and they're at the front. Uh, now, these would have been the perfect sort of troops to use against elephants because javelins are great at, you know, like putting elephants into panic and having, causing them to run amok. But uh, because they'd previously engaged the Numidians, they had largely spent most of their javelins, so they were pretty much useless by this point in the battle. So Hannibal's elephants and most of his infantry were also hidden in some nearby woods. Uh, so, or I'm sorry, most of his cavalry was hidden in the nearby woods. The Romans didn't initially know where they were at this point. Now, Hannibal also had his brother Mongo hide 1,000 infantry and 1,000 cavalry in a march to the Romans' rear, which the Romans uh, passed by without scouting. So I always need to scout. So Hannibal sent his elephants against the Roman cavalry to start. Now the horses smelled the elephants and immediately fled. Elephants tore right through the Romans' uh, Gallic auxiliaries as well. And I can just imagine, you're you're like some Gallic tribesmen. You know, the biggest animal you've probably ever seen is a cow. You're you're used to living in the woods of northern Italy, and you suddenly see fucking 4,000-pound elephant, and it must have just been absolutely terrifying. So... Now, Magua's men then appeared in the rear, uh, effectively surrounding the Romans at this point. So Hannibal has, you know, men on both flanks of the Romans, and then Magua comes in the rear and essentially completes a double envelopment. Uh, the only thing that saved the Roman legions during this battle was the fact that some around about 10,000 of them managed to break through the Carthaginian center line, and then they ended up retreating, leaving some uh, 30,000 of the brethren to be butchered by Hannibal's infantry and cavalry. So... The Battle of the River Trebia was a massive victory for Hannibal. Elephants did play a very vital role in the battle. Uh, now, unfortunately, during this battle, Hannibal lost 29 elephants and only had 8 remaining at this point, And only one of them, named Surus, would end up surviving the winter as well. So now we're going to go ahead and talk about some of the, uh, the other battles that occurred after the River Trebia in Italy. So Surus would serve as Hannibal's personal elephant in the battles to come. Uh, as well, in the battles to come as well, the elephants wouldn't really play much of a role because most of them, like I mentioned, had previously been killed. And so seeing as Surus was the only one, they would most likely not really play a role. So the Hannibal would go ahead and defeat the Romans again at the Battle of Lake Trezemene in history's greatest ambush. So basically he had all of his men up on the ridge and they went ahead and ambushed the Romans on the shores of Lake Trezemene and then massacred that army. 
And then uh, Hannibal would also defeat another Roman army at Cannae, uh, where he famously achieved a double envelopment, surrounding the much larger Roman army and butchering some 50,000 Romans. So he wipes out two more Roman armies span of only a few months. So Cannae would absolutely send the Romans in absolute panic, and they were all worried that he was going to invade Rome. Luckily for them, after Cannae, I mean, his... Although he, of course, put a massive hurting on the Romans, his own army wasn't in great shape either, and he didn't really have the men or the siege engines to really besiege Rome. So, you know, a lot of people ask, like, why didn't Hannibal just invade Rome? You know, like, why didn't he besiege Rome? You know, that's why. He just didn't have the men, didn't have the supplies. Just because you win a battle, I mean, you can, you can debate over whether or not he should have tried to do it anyways. But at that point, he didn't view his army as being in good enough shape to go ahead and you know, last against a very long siege against the city of Rome. So, uh, now, the effect of this of Cannae was it went ahead and caused several of the city-states in southern Italy to defect to Hannibal, you know, exactly like he originally thought that they would. Uh, meanwhile, the Romans started recognizing that Hannibal was basically too good of a general to face an open battle, so they rebuilt their legions and avoided battle. Uh, with him. So they would essentially, there's a guy named Quintus Fabius who went ahead and adopted what is now called a Fabian strategy in which he would keep his army, you know, in the field as a kind of a symbol of resistance and try to deny the Romans, the um, so the Carthaginians, the ability to forage and to gather supplies. Uh, so basically trying to essentially starve them out of Italy and avoiding battle because he's recognizing like Hannibal is too good for us. Like at this point, we can't really engage with them. But we can't deny his ability to feed his army. And remember as well that, you know, Hannibal's going to mercenary army. So if these guys don't get fed or they don't get paid, then there's no reason for them to stick around. So now one of the cities that ended up rebelling was the city of Capua in southern Italy. So now just because the Romans didn't want to engage Hannibal in battle doesn't mean that they didn't want to recapture some of the allied city-states that were allying with him with Hannibal. So in 214 BCE, the Romans laid siege to the city of Capua. So Hannibal would smuggle 40 elephants past the Roman naval blockade of Italy and attempted to break the siege. So Hannibal, in this fight, Hannibal was initially able to get his elephants across the ditch the Romans made, but the Romans used a combination of fire and javelins to drive off the elephants. So then Hannibal then tried to break the siege by marching towards Rome and sort of a fainting maneuver. He, he's basically trying to, like, he's, by threatening the city of Rome, he was hoping that he would draw the Roman legions away from Capua and then be able to break the siege. Uh, however, at this point, Hannibal's entire army was made of, mo- of mostly cavalry at this point, so there's no way he would have realistically been able to siege the city of Rome at this point. So he was, like I said, he was merely hoping that basically the Romans wouldn't realize his bluff and that would pull away the legions. However, they did realize his bluff, and then so the legions ended up taking Capua. So at this point, the war in Italy was a stalemate, and then uh, Hannibal's brother Hasdrubal fought Scipio the Younger in Spain at the same time as Hannibal was fighting in Italy. So uh, Hasdrubal was not as good of a commander as his uh, brother, unfortunately, so he would suffer several defeats at the hands of Scipio, and then uh, Hasdrubal decided to march his army, which included 10 elephants, into Italy in an attempt to link up with Hannibal instead, you know, abandoning Spain in the process. So Hasdrubal sent a mes- messenger to his brother with the time and location of his planned arrival, uh, but the Romans managed to intercept the messenger and they tortured the information out of him. So this resulted in Hasdrubal being sent to which between two Roman armies on the hillside, 
on the Metaris River. So, during this battle, Hasdrubal attempted to drive his elephants down the hillside towards the Romans, but the Gallic infantry did not coordinate their charge. Uh, you know, the Gauls are not known for being their great fighters, but they're not the most organized infantry. Uh, so, uh, they didn't coordinate their charge, and the elephant charge was rendered ineffective by their Roman missiles. So, they were driven off by the, you know, archers and valetes. So, uh, during the battle on the Metaris River, Hasdrubal was killed in the battle, and then Scipio threw his head over the walls of Hannibal's camp for him to find. Now, according to legend, Hannibal is said to have muttered once he found his brother's head, I see there the fate of Carthage. So, Hannibal's younger brother, Mago, attempted to reinforce Hannibal just like Hasdrubal did, but uh, he too was defeated and killed, dooming any efforts to reinforce Hannibal in Italy. So then Scipio decided to then invade Africa, hoping that it would draw Hannibal away from Italy. Now, Hasdrubal Gisgonis, uh, in response, he was a local Carthaginian commander in Africa, raised a massive army along with capturing 140 war elephants as well. So uh, knowing that Hasdrubal's army had much, uh, much outmatched his own, Scipio started calling for negotiations. However, in reality... Uh, he used these negotiations and he was spying out the Carthaginian camp. So, you know, like noting like where the elephants were and where like locations of the troops were and how their fortifications were and everything. So during that night, Scipio's legions attacked, burning the enemy's barracks and stables, killing a hundred elephants while they were chained in their stables. So at this point, Hannibal finally returned home to face Scipio in Africa. So uh, Hannibal gathered a mixed army of Italian campaign veterans, local militia, some Numidian cavalry, and about 80 elephants. So now, while this is the largest force of elephants Hannibal had ever fielded, these animals were not trained very well and therefore were of not much use. I mean, a poorly trained elephant or an untrained elephant is far worse than no elephants at all. These elephants were just not trained really much at all. So, uh, Scipio arranged his army with corridors between each cohort of infantry so the elephants would be uh, induced to charge down them uh, towards the rear, where they would then be of no harm, similar to what Alexander did with the scythe chariots of Guacamole. So, essentially kind of parting his army and then letting the elephants like charge naturally down these corridors and then essentially funneling them out to an area where they wouldn't be of much harm to anyone. So, and I'm going to read you a quote and explain just exactly how that happened. So, uh, Hannibal ordered the drivers of his elephants to charge the enemy. But when the sound of trumpets and bugles pierced the air all around them, some of the elephants panicked and, and turned tail and stampeded to the rear, colliding with the squadrons of Numidian cavalry, which had come to support the Carthaginians. The rest of the elephants charged the Roman Velites in the space between the two armies that killed many of them, but also suffered heavy losses themselves. Then finally, all the beasts took fright. Some of them escaped by way of the gaps between the maniples, uh, through which the Romans allowed them to pass, while others fled towards the right wing, where they uh, met with followers of javelins for the cavalry, and in the end stampeded clean off the battlefield. So this tactic worked beautifully, and ended up with elephants essentially stampeding off the battlefield and not really harming many of the Romans. Uh, so Scipio also had his infantry blow their beagle bugles and loudly and uh, scream as well, frightening the inexperienced elephants who then turned towards the Roman cavalry. Now the Roman cavalry met the elephants with javelins, so then the elephants then retreated back to their own cavalry, which ended up breaking up the Carthaginians' formations. 
Uh, now, Scipio also had his soldiers use poles with hook attached to the ends to grapple the mahouts off of the elephants' backs, which caused further confusion as well. Uh, there were many elephants that fled through the corridors and were attacked by missiles from the infantry. So Hannibal's remaining force was defeated, and the Battle of Zama was lost. Now, during the Battle of Zama, uh, 100 elephants died, and the rest were captured. I'm sorry, not 100. <laughs> 11, big, big difference there. 11 elephants died, and the rest were captured and sent to Rome for the triumph that they held in honor of their victory over Carthage. So, the peace terms for the Second Punic War dictated that Carthage hold no colonies outside of Africa and train no war elephants. Now, Rome would end up destroying Carthage uh, later on during the Third Punic War, ironically using elephants to destroy the Carthaginian army at the Battle of Nephorus in 146 BCE. So Rome burned Carthage to the ground during the Third Punic War and killed all but 50,000 of its people who were all sold into slavery. And that is where we'll go ahead and pick up next time. Now, if you're interested in hearing more, go ahead and tune in each week. We post new podcast episodes every week. If you want to go ahead and join the Patreon, you get these episodes earlier. We also upload uh, Patreon-exclusive episodes as well. So until then, you can expect another episode next week. Go ahead and also give us a like, comments, uh, reviews on Spotify and all the different platforms. It definitely helps out in the algorithm. So uh, until then, take care, guys.